Well, it's not in the bulletin, but I mentioned it in the first service. I'll mention it in the second service. If you're, uh, if you're um, new to the church or if you've only been here a little while or maybe you've been here a long time and you've just been lazy uh, and you uh, or would like to join the church, we, we have an event coming up um, next month. And it is next month, isn't it? Yes. And, and uh, so there's a special announcement in the bulletin next week that, uh, that you need to... to to zero in on because you're going to want to do this and I mean it involves free food and uh and you will have to sign up for it you can't just come in that day and go we oh food okay uh would you stand with me and let's uh let's read the first 10 verses of the second chapter of Ephesians as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Father, I thank you for your word and for the life that's in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. For without the Holy Spirit quickening us, we cannot be alive. And so I pray that you would rest upon each one, speak to each heart, make us alive in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so uh, having prayed that prayer... Let's, uh, let me start out with the opening lines of uh, uh, Charles Dickens' probably most famous work at this point would be A Christmas Carol, which says this, Marley was dead to begin with. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come out of the story I'm going to relate. The news that I have to bring to you today is that not only was Marley dead, you were dead. You were dead. Look at somebody next to you and say, zombie. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you don't know Christ, you still are dead. And if you don't understand that, nothing wonderful can come out of your story. Uh, that word wonderful is is a wonderful word. <laughs> it literally means full of wonder. 
It means something that happens that is so There are no words. I mean, there used to be awesome and stuff like that. We cheapened all those. It's, it's the kind of thing that you look at and all you can do is just look at it. And so you were dead because, well, the clock started ticking as soon as you came out of the womb, for one thing. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, you don't have to be 40 to be over the hill. You just have to be born. And it and it begins to it begins and the and the longer you go, the faster it 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 ticks. Back in nineteen ninety eight, there was a movie that came out called Meet Joe Black, and it's a pretty cool movie. People either loved it or hated it or they thought it was okay, and they. Uh, it would have been a great movie if it had been a half an hour shorter. But, Amen. Yes, exactly. Uh, but it, it was based on an, on an earlier movie called Death Takes a Holiday. And uh, uh, essentially, well, the big part of the story is, I mean, there's, you know, love and stuff like that. But the big part of the story uh, centers around this guy, uh, and um, Anthony Hopkins played him. And uh, Death, he had an appointment with Death, but Death had decided to take a break for a while. And, uh, and then... Well, anyway, I don't want to spoil it for you, and I couldn't explain it. But um, uh, in the climactic scene, it's the 65th birthday of this guy. And uh, the thing that I really remember from it is his speech on his 65th birthday. Uh, because he just gets up, and he looks around, and he says, 65 years. Don't they go by in a blink? And at the time, I was 48, and I thought, one of these days, one of these days, I'll be 65, and I probably would say the same thing. The only thing is, when I turned 65, I forgot to say it. <laughs> I blinked, and there I was. And that's the way it is. I mean, you're born into that where you you were dead but even more than physical death we live in death in in our transgressions and in our sins we we live in, in death we live in the in the midst of 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 rot and stink the ways of this world john says the life of no i'm sorry this is not john this is uh you know i got i got all messed up in the first service too with my with my slides but the one that's really important will come up later on, and I know where it goes now. <laughs> we'll read what, what the psalmist says anyway. The life of mortals is like, is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone, and its place uh, remembers it no more. And you know what? If you're under 20 or if you're under 30, you don't think this will ever happen. But it will. It does. It, don't they go by in a blink? But John, it's not just the physical death. John says the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Everything the world desires passes away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. When, when, I, was, when I was growing up, usually this, this verse would be interpreted to go, so you better do the will of God. And I'll tell you what his will is. Uh, and if you, if you want to live forever, but one day I read John chapter six and began to put the pieces together. 
Because in John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000, then he sends the disciples away, and then he walks on water, and then, and then the group that he had fed the day before find him because they're, they're looking for some more food, and, uh, and Jesus says, well, if, what you really need to do is you need to do the works that God requires, and they go, what is it? What, what is the work that God requires? And Jesus says, the work that God requires is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's it. That's, that's, that's where it all flows from. But anyway, when we come to the end, it, it, it's nice, it'd be nice to look back and go, well, I don't have regrets, or you know, I, th- that, was a, you know that was a nice ride, or, or something like that. But you know, if all we have to look back on is the world's accomplishments, how much money we made, how many awards we got, how much recognition came our way, good food, great times. Uh, And really, all we can basically say is, well, that was nice. I'm out. I had a nice time. And if we come to the end and and there's nothing to look forward to, there's only things to look back to, then the the writer of Ecclesiastes is right. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. But that's not it. You were dead. You were dead. And then something wonderful happened. Something amazing happened. You were made alive. You were were made alive in Christ Jesus. And a question that this uh, passage answers very clearly is why? I, I mean, you, not, not uh, you know, what did you do or what, but what was God's motivation? How, how did he get, why did he decide to do, I mean, was he, did he just feel sorry for us? I mean, he just looked down at us and go, oh, poor little things, you know, let's. Let's do something for them. Or did, did he feel guilty? Did he go, oh, well, you know, I made them. I guess I'm responsible for them. Yeah, uh, they're, they're a mess, but I need to do something for them. Uh, no. Uh, did he decide to do it because we were good? Well, you know, they're getting better. I think, I think they got some, I think they got a chance. I'll give them another chance. Let's do this. No. The only way to know the mind of God is through revelation. And when I say revelation, I'm not talking about the the book of revelation. I'm talking about uh, something being revealed that that's the only way you're going to know it. You you can't get there any other way. I mean, these other things, they're the reasons why we would have done it if we'd have been God. They're the reasons why we extend grace. They're they're the reasons why we uh, give someone... And don't you love that, that phrase, rich in mercy? You know, when, uh, it's, it's interesting to look at the things that the Bible, when the Bible talks about being rich, it's interesting to look at the things that it says, attributes richness to, rich in mercy. So when we decide to be rich in mercy, that would be our motivation. But God's motivation is very clearly revealed in this passage here, and we, we read it. But oftentimes we blow through a passage, and we don't really see something, but maybe it can jump out at us now because of his great 
love for us. That's why he did it. He loves you. I uh, was up at the hospital yesterday. Uh, uh, John Soper was having some surgery, and I was talking to Ernestine, and uh, she was talking about, um, was it an aunt, uh, Frank, uh, who had come? Uh, 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 yeah, uh, who had come, and, and she'd, she'd been brought up, uh, well, she'd been brought up in, in a, a liturgical religion all her life. Nothing wrong with that, but she just hadn't necessarily maybe caught on some of the things. And when she left, uh, I guess, surprise, surprise, we must have taught Jesus loves you that day. And uh, when she left, uh, Ernestine said, you know, I mean, we didn't think, I mean, we liked the sermon, but we didn't really think anything about it. But she couldn't stop talking. She just kept going, they said Jesus loves me. I never knew that. And, you know, and yeah, I, I understand the, the all, but the truth of the matter is, we don't know it oftentimes when it really applies to our lives. When it, when it, when it gets right, God saved us because of his, his great love for us. That, that's, that's why he did it. And what did he, you know, what it is saved, saved. You know, that, that phrase, uh, that's an interesting phrase. And oftentimes when we, when we are uh, trying to share the gospel with people, um, I don't know if we do it quite as much as we used to. Used to, it was the default question. Have you been saved? And, and, and you know, and most of the time they knew what you were talking about or assumed they knew what you were talking about. Uh, or, you know, maybe they would go so far as to say, save from what? And then we would say, save from your sins. Okay, look, when you're in sin and somebody says, have you been saved from your sins? What you hear is, do you want to stop doing all the things you like? All the things you enjoy. That's what I heard when I would hear that phrase. But that's not, technically, that's not what God has saved us from. What he has saved us from is the result of our sins. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So when somebody says, you say, have you been saved? Uh, you know, I got a better question. Would you like to not die? Because that's what the issue is. That's really what it's about here. And, I, you know, I know that some people are at a place in their lives where they would like to die. Well, truth of the matter is, they're already dead. All of us are away from God. All of us are already dead. And, you know, and there, and there are others who just go, that's impossible to not die. Yeah. But that's where faith comes in. That, that, that's, where, that's where faith enters in. People want to be saved from death, and this is what God has saved us from. You were dead, and now you have been made alive because of his great love. Oh, the love of God. How rich and pure. How measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure. When you feel unworthy, remember, that's irrelevant. 
totally irrelevant. I was reminded in the first service of uh, back when I was a kid, there was a, a trio of ladies in our church who would do a special from time to time. Special, they'd get up, a special's where they sing, nobody else does. And, and they, they'd get up and they'd do a special, and their favorite song to sing was, Unworthy, unworthy. And I'm sure there was more to it, but all I can remember is, Unworthy, <laughs> unworthy, and irrelevant, ir- irrelevant, irrelevant. It's got nothing to do with your worthiness. And that's a great thing. And when you feel abandoned, remember you aren't. Because of its, it's his great love. And, and when you feel unlovely, remember his great love beautifies you. The, what you see in the mirror has nothing to do with whether or not you're beautiful. The mirror cannot make you beautiful. Boy, I don't know if I ought to go there or not. <laughs> mirror can make you phony. But anyway... Uh, the mirror can't make you beautiful, but when, when, when somebody really loves you, there was a, uh, there, back at the Lord's Chapel, there was, a, there was this older couple. I called them elderly in the first service, but I realized they might not have been. I was 30. They were older, okay? And, uh, and, they, would, and they would get up and sing on, on Sunday mornings uh, from time to time. People would ask for them to get up and sing. And they couldn't sing. They really couldn't sing. And they weren't uh, naturally attractive people. But they'd been together a long time and they loved each other and they loved Jesus. And if you were new to that church, the the first verse or two, you know, you would be going, this is crazy. These people come here and they actually do this intentionally. You know, get me out of here. But by the second verse, that couple had just become so attractive. Just attractive and beautiful because they just gave it up. I mean, they didn't, they just gave it up. I mean, I'm sure it mattered to them whether or not they could stay on pitch, but it didn't matter. They just gave it up, and the room would just be filled with the, with the presence and the beauty of the Lord. When somebody loves you, that's what makes you beautiful. Guys, you guys who are married, and you guys who are going to get married someday, you want to marry a pretty woman? I mean, now we talked about this earlier in the year about being happy, but, but I know that you want to marry a pretty woman. Uh, what she starts out looking like is not what she's going to end up looking like. And what she ends up looking like has a whole lot more to do with how you love her than her DNA. When you love somebody, they become beautiful. And God, for his great love, that's why he saved us. And more than that, more than that, he's raised us up to sit with Christ in, in, in heavenly places and heavenly realms. And, you know, I used, to, uh, I, I, I used to think of that the first few times that I had that taught. It was kind of like, 
yeah, we're, we're up there with Christ. It's a great thing. We're over all this stuff and everything's under our feet. And, uh, you know, and, and, and yeah, okay, that's true. But what it really means is you have a change of perspective. And when you have a change of perspective, things change. When, when I first came back to the Lord in my mid-20s, uh, my, my initial idea was, uh, I got to get away from this crowd that I'm running with. And, you know, some of them I probably didn't need to get away with them. And sometimes you do need to get away from them. But you know what? You can get away from the crowd, and you're, if your perspective has not changed, you're still not in very good shape. You may not be doing some of the, some of the obvious things that you used to do, but you're still doing, you're still seeing people the same way. But when you've got a different perspective, then that, that changes everything. That changes, that changes you even, you know, and I'm not saying, well, I don't know what I'm saying, actually. I was going to say, I'm not saying that you shouldn't get away from a bad crowd because sometimes you, you've got to do that. But Sometimes I think we're supposed to stay there. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to take it and put it in front of a spotlight. You know, take it into some darkness. But the perspective then becomes not, you know, wow, I'm afraid this is going to happen, this is going to happen. The perspective then becomes greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's raised us up, given us a different perspective. Not only that, he, he is, he is, it says in verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us by Christ Jesus. That's, that's I don't even know what that means. The, the in the coming ages. What ages? There's something out there that's, that I don't even know about at this point. I mean, I think I know about heaven and stuff. There's something out there. And that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace to who? I don't know who he's going to show it to, but he's going to show it. I mean, you, you are, you are a, a trophy of God. It's one thing to get a trophy because that's something to be able to populate your attic. But it's something else to be a trophy. A trophy is something that is admired. And God admires you. God admires all of those that he's brought out of darkness and into light, out of death and made alive. And, and you know, you kind of go, God admires me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This was the one that I got messed up on the last time uh, and put in the wrong place and couldn't figure out even why I had it there. But it is by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, I, I uh, was going to put that verse up, but I thought this expressed it so much better. You've got the guy on the, on the, on the one side there, it says, will work for salvation. And then you've got the guy on the other side who has, has the grace. And, and in the early service, I said, look at this. And people did. And man, I, I had revelations coming out. People were going, do you know what I saw? You know, everything from, see which side the change is on? Wait for it. 
Yeah. And, you know, that not only uh, means that he got the coin, but he got the change to the golden ticket. Oh, that's Willy Wonka. <laughs> you can't get in without it. Of course, you people are deep. <laughs> yeah. It is by grace you've been saved. His grace, your faith. Salvation has always come by faith. It, it's not, this isn't just, this did, we didn't just find this out in Ephesians. Over in, uh, over in Genesis with, with Abel. And Hebrews explains it. Hebrews 11.4, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith, he was commended as righteous. That's how, that's how righteousness came to the first person that God said, you're righteous. It's by faith. Uh, Noah, later on in the, uh, and by the way, uh, on Tuesday mornings at 6.30, we've got a, a thing called a gate that uh, all you guys are invited to. Uh, Say, so, well, are the women invited? Nope, they're not. They got their own stuff. They can do that. But 6, 6.30 to 7.30 on Tuesday morning, and we've been going through, uh, we've been going through uh, Genesis, and we just, we, just, we just talked about the flood, but it, it says in, in Hebrews that by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. And of course, it took faith. I mean, you know, God says, build this thing that nobody's ever seen before because this thing that's never happened before is going to happen. All he had was the word of God. He said, I believe it. I'll do it. Abraham, Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's always been what salvation was about. Rahab uh, in Jericho, when she, when she hid the spies, it says, well, once again, Hebrews says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed, did not experience death with those who were disobedient. Uh, she's held up uh, several times in the New Testament as a, uh, uh, an example of faith. And so, you know, in the natural, when you look at what she did, she basically betrayed her, uh, her, her people. Kind of go, wow, that's not, that's not something we all, all, you know, tend to admire. But when you go back and you read the, uh, the account of the story and you see why she did what she did, she says... We have all heard about your God. We've all heard what he did at the Red Sea. What, what, what he did when you fought the, the Amorites. Uh, how he brought water from the rock. We've heard the things that he did. And I believe he's going to do the rest of the things he said he was going to do and give you this place. By faith, she was saved. In John, in John 3, 14, 15, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Uh, the Israelites had been disobedient. Uh, a plague of uh, uh, fiery serpents. Boy, that sound, fiery ants are bad enough. Fiery serpents. That sounds terrible. And people were dying and everything, and they, and they cried out to the Lord. And, and the Lord told Moses, make a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole, and whoever looks at it will live. That's ridiculous. 
But it's a touch point of faith. It was the word of God. Whoever believes the word of God will be saved. Whoever believes the word of God will live. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life because of his great love for us. His grace is extended to us through faith. Okay, one more thing. Last verse. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He he didn't just save you to make you a trophy, okay? You weren't saved by good works, but you're saved to do good works. And perhaps it's taking some time. You know, perhaps you've been in this saved state for a while, but the good works aren't exactly flowing like a mighty river. And the enemy reminds you of that on a fairly frequent basis. Uh, One of the fruits of God's Spirit is patience. And if God's Spirit brings the fruit of patience, then it might be reasonable to assume that God is patient. And in fact, if patience, if the idea of patience being worked in your life scares you, try this on. Long-suffering. God isn't just patient. He's long-suffering toward us. Let me see if I can make this happen. You don't need... The solution isn't to go looking for good works to prove that God has saved you to you or anybody else. That, that's not the solution. Uh, our grandson, our oldest grandson, Jack, uh, he comes over at least once a week. And oftentimes when he comes over, I got stuff I need to be doing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm answering emails. I'm, I'm, putting together schedules. I'm, I'm, I'm doing some stuff. And uh, Jack will come in the room, and he wants, he wants to do a little work. I mean, he's, the, he's like this, and he's, he knows the phrase, little work. I think it's because his dad works at home part of the time, you know, and he's got to go do a little work. So Jack wants to do a little work, which means I want to get up in your lap, and I want to hit that keyboard. That's his idea of a little work. Uh, It doesn't help me get my stuff done. I let him do it, but it doesn't help me get my stuff done. Do you see what I'm saying? Our idea of what these good works are supposed to be. Today, I mean, you know, between services, I've got uh, I've got a a, a clicker or whatever this is called, and an iPad, and a bottle of water sitting on, yeah, right there, uh, sitting. It's it's sitting, and uh, Jack wants to do a little work, so he comes along and he picks it up and gives that to me, and then he gives this to me, and then he gives the water to me. Go well, good, thank you, thank you very much. And then when he's not looking, I sit them back down. 
And then he sees they're there again. So he picks them up and he gives them back to me. And then I finally put them someplace where he can't reach them. Because he wants to do a little work. The, the, the solution is not for you to go looking for good works. The solution is to look at him. The solution is to put your faith in him. The woman, the, the, the woman who was healed uh, from the issue of blood when she, when she touched Jesus, the hem of his garment. Uh, yeah, I mean, she had in mind that she wanted to get healed, but she wasn't going, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. No, she was going, I got to touch him. I got to touch him. I got to touch him. He was the focus of it. And just as he's the focus from which our healing flows and the, and the focus from which our salvation flows, he's the focus from which these good works flow. As a matter of fact, most of the good works that God has created you to do, when you do them, you won't even know you did one. Because you're focused on him and his love begins to flow through you. His, his grace begins to flow through you. His mercy begins to flow through you. And people begin to go, you know what? <laughs> I want what that one's got. Because you were dead. And something wonderful happened. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come, come down? And if you, if you need prayer today, understand, yes, I mean, we do ask for specific things. And the Bible does say wherever two or more touch and agree concerning anything, it'll be done. Uh, but one of those has to be Christ. And he's really, he's really what you're touching. You know, you're, you're, you're coming down and you're going, you know, help me touch Christ. Help me access him. Let, let's, let's go to him together. That's what this is for. So if you, that's what you'd like, uh, it's available. If you, don't, if you don't need to come for prayer, worship with us and help who does come touch Christ by creating that atmosphere.